Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, our iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to. Subscribe to us. Leave us a review, a rating. It helps us out a lot. We've been climbing those charts. Our last episode with Q from Impractical Jokers is, is a huge hit, so we thank you all for that. Um, and uh, got another episode right here coming up um, at the... Time of this recording, we got uh, football coming up, or you know, football is here. We got football tonight at the time of the of this intro recording, I should say. Um, and yeah, football's back. I know this is a movie show, but you know how I like talking sports at the beginning. Uh, my Lions didn't fare too well in Week One, but uh, the Buccaneers did, so that is good. I'm in, I'm in Tampa, so. Obviously, I'm going to root for the the team that I live at. I live at that team. <laughs> I live in the town the team is in. Um, also, uh, last couple days at the time of recording this intro, uh, sad news that Norm MacDonald passed after a long battle with cancer. He kept it secret from friends, family, and everything. And uh, yeah, that, that one hit hard. And uh, definitely, uh, he was he was one of the best out there. Very underappreciated. I don't think people appreciated it enough. I mean, in the comedy world, obviously, people appreciated it. But, you know, just uh, outsiders, I guess you could say, looking in. I, I don't think he was stood out to them as one of the greats. But, man, he is. Uh, that's a loss that uh, we're going to feel for a little while. But, uh, but. On to the fun. Uh, had a great show. This was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, not only the topic, not only the guests, but because we set out to talk about one thing and we just talked about just everything. Uh, so what we set out to talk about was A New Hope, just the movie A New Hope, Star Wars. But we talked everything Star Wars. We nerded out and uh, we did it with Star Wars super fan. And he's also a director. He directed The Blair Witch Project from 1999. He is directing lots of TV shows. He did Supernatural, Queen of the South. He did an episode of American Horror Stories, the anthology series. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez is our guest today, and we nerd out on Star Wars. Um, If you are watching the video version of this podcast, make sure you check out the background, because he uh, could have a a museum with his Star Wars collection. It is uh, very impressive. Uh, So yeah, we, we, again, we were going to 
talk about a new hope and we reference it in the episode a little bit but uh we just we just talked about star wars as a whole talked about the prequel trilogy the sequel trilogy his thoughts on that and obviously the original trilogy and uh talked a lot of blair witch project at the beginning because we were very curious how that uh how that unfolded um it's, it's over 20 20 years ago now so uh but yeah I, and a huge uh, shout out and thank you to dan franco for uh, hooking us up with uh ed uh for this episode and um we talk about how how they met how they know each other too so that was uh, fun to to learn but uh but yeah uh me and dave talk with eduardo sanchez about star wars so here's our conversation How uh, so? How do you know our buddy Dan Franco? He's uh, he's been a frequent guest on our show. How do you know Dan? Uh, Dan has been you know uh, an actor uh, you know in this area for a while, and we've uh, worked on a few things together. Um, we kind of uh, he, we kind of have the same circle of you know acting and filmmaker friends. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of friends, but we, you know, we rarely hang out, but it, you know, we never get a chance to hang out, but, uh, you know, he's like pretty much any kind of cool local movie he's in it, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, he did, um, he did a bit part in something I did years ago and we just kind of kept in touch and, uh, you know, yeah. That every once in a while. Great That's great. Guy. Well, he listens to every episode, so he will be. We love to flatter him, so he'll be very appreciative. Oh, he's a great guy, man. He's one of the best <laughs> actors I've ever worked with, honestly. You know, super talented. Amazing. Yeah. So, you, so you're in the Maryland area as well. Then you stay yeah, there. Yeah, I live in. I st- I live in Frederick, uh, Maryland, which is you know I live like half an hour from where we shot uh, most of Blair Witch. So. Okay. Oh wow. So that that close, and obviously yeah, I'm um, still I'm still here, man. Yeah, so you ain't going nowhere, especially with the success of uh, of that flick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's what reached the twentieth anniversary. What twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's uh, twenty two years now. So it's uh, you know, it's crazy, man. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, you know, I feel blessed to have been a part of it. You know, how did how did you? become a part of it i know you've probably talked about it the last 22 years but i i'd like to know how, sure. like how, how did that project come about um you know dan myrick and i you know we were uh friends in in uh film school and uh we had you know we were hanging out and um talking on a, over a weekend and um we had just seen a movie called freddy's dead uh you know like uh, that friday that um Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Freddy's Dead, which, you know, was fun and everything, but it wasn't very scary. And we were, you know, this is like early 90s and we had, you know, just gone through all like the Halloween stuff and the Friday the 13th and, you know, a lot of the gore and all that stuff. And um, even though a lot of those films were pretty scary, we had gotten to a point, I think, in the early 90s where it was just kind of, you know, there wasn't like great, you know, scary horror stuff coming out. So Dan and I were kind of just like, you know, what, what did we dig when we were, when we were younger and, you know, we were getting to know each other at that time. So we started talking about these kind of horror movies and we kind of honed in on uh, a movie called, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek and a TV show called in search of with Leonard Nimoy. And we were like, 
we were like, oh my God, those, you know, kind of pseudo documentary things, you, you know, would scare the crap out of us when we were little. <laughs> so we went out and we, we rented it on, we rented a couple of episodes of In Search of on VHS and we found The Legend of Boggy Creek, you know, on VHS. This was like, you know, early 90s. So DVDs were starting to come in and um, we loved it. I mean, you know, the, the you know, In Search of and Legend of Boggy Creek definitely dated, you know, and Le- Legend of Boggy Creek is such a low budget movie, you know. But it still works, you know, like there's still kind of it's still creepy um, and in search of with the same way, you know, like we were still kind of creeped out by the idea of like a documentary about the supernatural, you know. So we were we just started talking about like, I wonder if you, you know, we wonder if we could do that again. You know, we could do that to kind of, a you know, a 90s audience. Um, and we kind of came up with the initial idea of like the film crew, you know, being lost in the woods. And then years later, their film surfaces um but then you know dan and i were we were in film school we were still we, went, we needed to graduate we were working on student films you know uh we worked on he worked on a feature i worked on a feature so it was just like we were kind of busy and then in um you know so we wrote a little bit of it but we didn't we didn't even name it we just called it the woods movie and oh. uh, in like mid mid 90s like probably 96 or so we got together again and we were like, let's do the Woods movie. And then that's when we really started working on it. We got Greg Hale involved and Robin Cowie and Mike Manella, like the other producers, and um, just kind of started working on it and shot it in in, uh, in 97. Man, how was it? Um, you know, I've, I've, I think I've heard some myths and stories. Like, was it, uh, did you try to keep it lighthearted on set? Was it, uh, was it kind of uh, stressful? Was it like, how was the set vibe well i mean this the set was a you know it's like the 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 weirdest set i've ever been on because the actors were completely isolated as you know we try to keep them as isolated as we as much as we could um so basically even when we would we go visit them i would tell people don't don't talk to the actors you know um you know unless they're asking you something specific or whatever you, you need to talk to them don't communicate with them like pretend they're not there and um and then the rest of the crew, you know, there was like, you know, maybe six or seven of us, um, you know, a few, not all part full time, but, you know, by about five or six, I guess, full time people. And all we did was just try to keep, you know, up with like what the actors were doing in the woods and try to, you know, we got things going, you know, uh, just basically prepared them for where they were going to land. But but the actors were mostly by themselves the entire shoot. And um, so it was kind of a weird set. I mean, and, and yeah. the tension wasn't about like, you know, uh, you know, trying to get performances or even gear or whatever. It was just basically, you know, how are we going to we got to stay ahead of the actors? You know, we have to stay we have to prepare where they're going, you know, before they get there. And uh, and that was the biggest stress, you know, because it was 24 hours a day. So basically, as soon as we started shooting. That, that it was going on that you know the 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 time clock kind of you know ticked down you know so there was no resting there was no day off you know there was none of that stuff so it was just kind of eight days of full-on production um and uh you know so we kind of like you know we slept where we could and we you know just kind of you know broke up the duties and um yeah and you know just kind of made it happen you know it was it, but it was fun you know it was you know it was stressful just like any other shoot because you know you don't know what the hell you're doing you know right. it's be good yeah and, uh, but it was you know it was a lot of fun really great team you know when did you realize you had something with uh with the camera on the actor's face because immediately as an uh, as a viewer you start feeling like there's something behind you there's something yeah. that there's, there's some 
you know that and I, I always hate that feeling when you know there's some even just someone walking behind me it creeps me out but that like yeah, yeah. that point of view when did you realize you had something really good with that well i mean we you know we again we like knew that um that it's you know that that kind of style of you know footage and kind of like style of movie worked you know like it you know the, again in search of legend of Bayou creek like those things you know were kind of like the the uh the predecessors of what we were doing but um you know once we started watching the footage and started looking at their performances and you know and we watched the footage as much as we could because like i said it was a 24 hour a day you know shoot so we had very little time to actually like watch footage you know we were always trying to do you know getting something else ready um but you know we watched we started watching the footage and you know the footage was different than what you saw in the movie because you know there was a lot of editing obviously so yeah we mostly saw a lot of arguing <laughs> uh, like they argued all the time and it wasn't just like you know heather and josh it was heather and mike and it was just like you know um they were, you know, Heather, I think was, tr- you know, we, we kind of directed her with the directing notes of like, you, know, you have to be strong, you know, you're in this male dominated field and, you know, you're, you know, you, you have to, it's your vision, it's your movie, you know, um, so you have to kind of take charge. And I think she probably took it a little too far at the beginning <laughs> and it kind of was, was kind of pissing off the guys. And so I, we kind of came back and said, look, you know, you, this is your movie, but again, you know, this is the guys are doing this for free. You know, they got you the equipment for free. Like you can't be treating people like that. You know, you have to, you know, you have to be cool. So, um, you know, but still they argued, you know, cause the whole movie was about conflict. And so basically, uh, you know, we knew we had something cool, but then the, the first moment we kind of, you know, like kind of shocked us as far as like, you know, uh, being, you know, observers to this, because, you know, we never, we were watching the movie just like as any, as the audience would watch it. Like we weren't in, we weren't, we weren't on set, you know, this wasn't a typical set. So basically the actors would show us, would send us the, you know, we would gather the tapes from the actors and we would just watch things that we had never even, we may never knew happened. You know, like we, you know, we knew that there was scripted stuff that they were supposed to be doing, but you know, it was, we knew it was going to be improv. So we were just kind of like watching to see what they were doing. And then there was one, the one scene that really kind of like just knocked the air out of us kind of, you know, in a good way was when um, Mike kicked the, the map into the Creek scene, you know? Yeah. Because because that was a whole, that was just an accident. You know what I mean? Like we were, got, you know, we, we had like a storyline. We were guiding them through the woods and they were really good about hitting all the, you know, all the points that we needed to hit, uh, you know, character points and story points and all that stuff. Like they were just, you know, we were, we would give them a little directing notes and they were just, they were just really good at, at interpreting those notes and making them their own and kind of coming up with their own stuff. So Mike, you know, a few days before had, had kicked the, the creek, the map into the creek just as a joke. But he thought that, you know, they'd be like, oh, my God, Mike, get the map. But nobody saw it. You know, nobody saw the the map, you know, float down the creek. So he was like, oh, you know, what do I do? So he kind of, you know, when do I tell these guys that I you know, kick the map? So they, he kind of <laughs> let things, you know, get, you know, kind of brew kind of the, you know, the reach the boiling point. Maybe nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah, maybe nobody will notice. But, you know, Heather and, and Josh were fighting about it all the time. And the map was continuing to be kind of this like 
you know, friction between them. And, you know, suddenly, you know, he's like, ah, I kicked that map into the creek. So, <laughs> and the reaction from them and, you know, just that whole scene to us was just like, we were, that's the first time we had seen that, you know, it was, it was like one of the biggest like unscripted beats um, that they yeah. did, you know? So at that point we were kind of like, um, yeah, we might have something. I mean, if we are like reacting to it, you know, in, you know, in such a kind of a, you know, visceral way, um, you know, other people are going to check it out. And then obviously once, you know, we saw the, you know, Heather's confession where she put, you know, put the camera that to us was like, holy crap, we might have something like really important, you know, here, you know, if we don't screw it up. So you know, there was, there was clues along the way, uh, sure. but again, you know, you know how it is. I mean, when you're doing a low budget movie, there's like no guarantees and all of us in, on the movie had already been burned several times by like putting <laughs> our hopes into you know movies that we you know projects and then you know nothing happening with them so you know we were always kind of like all right then let's not get our hopes up you know this thing could you know could crash and burn but you know it seems like we have something cool here at least you know maybe we could sell it to, to hbo or, or get a mm-hmm. video deal or something you know what i mean so um you know yeah. and then we started editing and you know it started coming together and we were you know we we started getting more validation from people as they as they watched it you know and then not not only was it, you know, just for the horror genre, it's such a phenomenon, but like, what was your response to, I promise we're going to get to Star Wars, trust me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, what no was problem, it? <laughs> man. No, no, no uh, what, what, what was your response to it being like, almost like this pop culture thing? Like there was like, you know, this being parodied everywhere. And, I know. No, and, it was, it was crazy, man. I mean, like yeah. there was, um, you know, like, you know, when we were getting, you know, becoming filmmakers, you know, we we saw, you know, El Mariachi, you know, you know, his story, Robert Rodriguez's story. We're like, oh, my God, he made this movie for nothing and it came out in the theaters and, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and the same thing with Kevin Smith and, you know, and uh, she's got to have it with Spike Lee. And, you know, so, you know, there was a there was, a, you know, Steven Soderbergh, like there was a lot of like kind of indie filmmaking going on. And, and so but so basically, you know, our whole thing was like, Oh my God, it'd be great to be like the next Kevin Smith or the next, have the next El Mariachi or Clerks, you know, where those movies like went theatrical, but you know, they didn't make much money for an indie movie. They made some money, but they didn't make like real money. So that was kind of our like tip of the, you know, top of the, of the mountain. Like we were like, if we get something like Clerks and we make 3 million bucks at the, at the box office or whatever it was that we would, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, that was the, that was the top that you could do with a, with, you know, with a $20,000 movie. Like nobody had ever broken into really like, like really competing with studios, you know? Yeah, sure. And that's no small thing. I mean, I'm no, so- I mean, it, it, it was impossible, man. I mean, you, you <laughs> could, I mean, you know, like just, you know, the marketing muscle and just, you know, the, the, uh, the audience expectations of horror movies, like, you know, we were like that a mass mark, you know, audience is not going to want to see this movie. I mean, like, you know, why the hell are they going to see this, you know, YouTube? It looks like a YouTube video. You know? <laughs> um, so we had no expectations. So as, you know, so, so you know, we had, you know, not low expectations because, you know, those movies are amazing. And, you know, we, we you know, we were we would be lucky if we made it to, you know, that to, to, to make it to, you know, even when we sold the movie, we, we considered ourselves lucky. So then, you know, when we sold the movie at, you know, at, at, at Sundance and, you know, there was a lot of buzz about it. Like, you know, we, we had a website, you know, for most of 98, uh, 1998 before we went to Sundance that had, you know, got a lot of attention and, you know, for the internet at that time, it was a pretty big site, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we didn't market it or anything. It was just kind of word of mouth. And, um, 
you know, there was just so much enthusiasm with fans. Like even people, even before people saw it, like I remember one fan, this guy named Jeff Johnson um, got on, he lived in LA and he got on one of like the big morning shows and was like, you guys got to check out this website. So, you know, the guy, the DJs order went on and like surfed the web for like 10 minutes and talked about <laughs> Blair Witch. And even this is this before the movie came out, you know? And, you know, we, our website blew up. I think our, you know, the server crashed or whatever, but we got a lot of, and, and there was a lot of people all over the world that were like really into this movie and like really kind of becoming part of the story. You know what I mean? Um, so we knew we had something that, you know, we were like, all right, this is going to be a, it's going to be, you know, a certain audience I think is going to dig this, you know, but we never imagined that it was going to, you know, do like actually compete with like real, you know, studio movies and stuff like that. And then when it, you know, that whole spring and when, before it came out, you know, just every, you know, we got into can and that was a big thing. And, and then as the movie was, you know, being released, you know, um, the documentary Curse of the Blair Witch came out a few weeks before the movie and it was like the highest rated, like, you know, some kind of highest rated in sci-fi channel history or something, you know, whatever original, I don't know what it was, but it broke records and we were like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, and we started getting these indications that the movie was going to be huge. And then, man, afterwards, like just every single time there was like, you know, like Saturday Night Live and, you know, the MTV <laughs> Movie Awards and Mad Magazine, like when, when uh when I when I walked into the into a store and I saw the Blair Witch on Mad on the cover of Mad magazine and <laughs> inside and saw that like we you know Dan and I had been like you know immortalized in this you know in the in the actual cartoon you know I mean you know we grew you know Dan and I both grew up on on Mad magazine so it was like that was to me like was the biggest thing I was like uh-huh. holy crap we were we're in Mad magazine you know <laughs> and then um like we were on the cover of time magazine and I, re- I remember it looked like, um, you know, one of those mock-ups you could do at the beach or whatever, you know, you could like get in front of like sports <laughs> illustrator. Like, that's what it looked like. It, it was, right. just a joke. um, but it was reality, man. It yeah. was something that, that was just happening. And, and luckily it was like five of us, you know, and we, you know, every time, anytime any one of us kind of, kind of got a big head, the other ones would kind of knock mm. them down. And so it was good that we were a group. Yeah. I think that if I, if I had done Blair Witch by myself, you know, I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now. I think I'd be like a completely different person. I might be dead. Who the hell knows what happened? But like, cause it was a, you know, it was a crazy thing that was happening and it just helped that you were in a, you know, there was like kind of uh, you know, safety in numbers, you know, yeah, keeping you grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Would you be living in L.A. right now? <laughs> I mean, I would definitely be living in L.A. And I, I would have probably like, oh, you know, had a coke problem, and, um, you know, because, you know, because that's because that's the thing, man, is that like, you know, once you have a hit in Hollywood, there's a lot of ass kissing that goes on, you know, because everybody's yeah. trying. So like a lot of my times in L.A., like all of a sudden L.A. Be, didn't be it wasn't as fun anymore because I realized that. You know, there's just a lot of people that are just looking to, you know, to get to get you to get, you know, to get hired by knowing, right. by being your friend. And now, I, you know, I have a lot of good friends in in um, in L.A., you know, and I've met a lot of like really cool people and like people that didn't give a shit about Blair Witch. You know, they just, you know, but at first there was, you know, you know, I can imagine like people like people were recognizing me on the street, man. <laughs> like. It was just, you know, it was about as close to like a rock star, you know, lifestyle that I want to live in, you know, but, um, and it was kind of scary, you know, so that's why, I mean, like, that's why I live in Maryland. I think part of me like really, um, scare, got scared that I would, 
you know, that I would, you know, turn into somebody that I didn't really like in LA, you know? Well, and it's hard to miss you. I see you, what you're, you're six, seven. Is I'm that- a, yeah. I'm huge. <laughs> man. So anytime I'm in a room or whatever, or I come in, you know, people will see me. So, you know, whoever was, you know, people, I guess in LA, you know, people recognize filmmakers and people were like, hey, yeah, I love the movie. And you know, it was kind of cool most of the time, but sometimes it was just like, kind of scary you know yeah uh, like i remember this one i, I went uh i was on the going to a to a i was traveling and i was on a dulles airport and i was in one of those people little people movers like the little buses and this guy was like you're at you're at sanchez aren't you i'm like yeah he's like I hated your movie, man. Like just kind of like, for like ten minutes the whole ride, like just talk shit about my movie. But it was, but he was, and at the end he was like, "But you know, it was cool, man. You guys did it. You know, you guys, congratulations." Man. So, you know, it was just like a lot of weird kind of things like what that. A weirdo. Yeah, just kind of you know. So uh, you know, so that you know, I, I, it kind of gave me a little taste of like you know what Tarantino must feel like, or you know Scorsese, or any of these like other like kind of you know really no you know really famous filmmakers, you know. Right. Because uh, everybody, everybody has an opinion, man. I wanted to ask. Uh, you, I still I see you have the sideburns, but they aren't quite as glorious as they used to be. No, we see dude, a return. I- yeah, I mean, I mean, I had like the the hockey puck, you know, hockey stick <laughs> thing for a while, and then I was, I just kind of got to a point where I'm like, you know, I I got kids now, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not like a rock star, so I, I have a little bit. I I love to kind of make the little kind of you know little turn here, but yeah, I used to have them like to here. Yeah. So. Those were great. <laughs> yeah, no, they were cool. I mean, you know, I'm not, it's just like I look at the cover of Time magazine and I'm like. <laughs> what the hell kind of facial hair <laughs> both of us like sporting like what the hell's going on there <laughs> oh bad but hey you know you gotta you gotta take it where you can you know exactly it's, uh, man <laughs> you, gotta let it, you know you know can't sweat too much you know sweat it too much you know? exactly uh now before we get into the movie too what uh what are you currently working on or what were you working i know a couple of months ago we were emailing back and forth you were on set what were uh what do you got going on I just did a, a an American Horror Stories episode, Horror Stories, and um, uh, had a lot of fun. Very stressful working for Ryan Murphy, you know, because you want to. Everybody wants to please, you know. You know, he's he's such a huge, you know, creative producer, and sure. Um, so you kind of you know you're you're trying to do your best work. So it, you know, it's a little stressful to everybody. I think involved, everybody want to do their best. But the episode came out great and, um, you know, I had a good time and, you know, uh, I, they invited me back for season two. So, you know, hopefully I'll get an episode. Um, and, uh, and but basically I'm just working in television right now. I have a couple of features that I'm like that really could go. Uh, there, there's some that could go any minute, like basically just waiting for financing or waiting for the final green light. So I'm always developing features. So I have and mostly in the indie world, you know, like I, I still love features, but mostly been concentrating on television. We, um, we had a show at Apple, um, that we're still working on like a horror TV show. That's kind of our big thing right now for Greg, my partner and I is to, um, we've sold a couple of TV shows, but haven't gotten green lit yet. So our thing is to have a, you know, get a, get a show green lit in the next few years, hopefully. Um, just because we feel like television, I mean, also, I mean, COVID didn't help the, the, you know, the theatrical market, but I don't know. It's like, even before COVID, it seems like television was kind of the place to go to like take chances and to kind of, sure. you know, get deeper into characters and do yeah. stuff. And do stuff that, you know, used to be that movies took more chances than television, you know, and now it's the other way around. So um, it just 
creatively, it just feels a lot more satisfying to work in TV right now. Um, yeah, I, still, I, I, I still love features and I, you know, it's still kind of my first home and I, I'd like to, uh, you know, get back into features soon. Yeah. I mean, it's a uh, TV. Yeah. There's so much you can do and it's just so much story to tell. It's insane. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, obviously you're, you know, uh, prominent in the horror world and, uh, but you wouldn't know it uh, by Ed's background. Uh, our audience is mainly audio, but if you are checking out the video, you'd see uh, Ed has uh, quite—I'd say—a little bit of a Star Wars uh, paraphernalia <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, behind. A little, a little bit. A little. Oh Star man! Um, <laughs> Coming from a know, Star Wars museum, it appears. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like a glory, like a you know, like like a Star Wars museum in my basement, and uh, you know, it's kind of one of these things. Like I always talk about it. Like I'm half proud and half ashamed of it you know because (laughs) i love i I love it i love star wars i love displaying stuff and um but at the same time i'm like what am i what's what what kind of hole do i have in my heart that had me go this (laughs) crap around me um so my my wife is very patient with me yeah (laughs) but now like i'm completely running out of room yeah honey we're knocking a wall down yeah as you can see there's like every section of wall is kind of taken you know <laughs> um and i have another there's another bigger room out there i'll, I'll show you one time but uh you know but um <laughs> the uh so i'm getting to the point where i don't have so now i have a rule where like if i can't display it right away i don't buy it yeah so, um you got it you gotta I mean, have cause, a because I mean, I ha- and I have a storage room like in the back, so it's not like <laughs> I have room to store stuff. Like I'm already at like 120, 25 capa- percent capacity, so Man. I gotta start cutting back. So I am selling some little bits in here and there, and um, and just trying to cut down on the buying basically. But it's yeah. addiction, well- man. I, I like how you say I can't have the sidebirds anymore because I got kids, but I got a room full of toys. So I know, you know, like, I got... yeah, switched over from the sideburns to like just buying Star Wars toys. You know, it's uh, now, yeah. How long does that collection span? How long have you been doing it? You know, I mean, I've been uh, really after Blair Witch. Like I got, uh, you know, a ton of disposable income. And <laughs> yeah. um, I was in I was in Japan doing the Blair Witch tour, like the press tour. And Dan Myrick, my partner, was really into like uh, kind of like tin robots, like old little robot men. Yeah. And we went, our our guide was like, hey, we have a couple of hours. You know, do you guys want to go anywhere? And he was like, yeah, can you take me to like a vintage toy store? So I went with him and it, I was the first time I had seen like the original action figure since I was a kid. And he had him like all loose. He had some carded. He had like a land speed. He had all these things. And I was like. And it was little. It was a little store. I mean, I don't know if you've been to Japan, but the real estate is very, you know, expensive there. So it was like literally like a little closet of a store. It was smaller than my office. And I looked around, and I and again, I had I I was making a ton of money at that point. I said, "How much for all the Star Wars stuff?" You know, and I the interpreter was, you know, and the guy's eyes were like, "What?" You know, so I bought like I think I got like twelve hundred dollars worth of Star Wars stuff that day, and. And he shipped it to me in the U.S., you know, to the U.S. and uh, and and then I discovered eBay, and then it was all downhill. <laughs> yeah, they uh, 
<laughs> yeah, the, it's it's it, it is an addiction. Before uh before this uh podcast uh collecting was my money pit. Now this podcast is my money pit. Um, <laughs> so I had to trade one for the other. But uh, now what, we, what did you collect? I collected uh, Star Wars figures as well. I collected yeah. Marvel figures. Yeah. I mean, it just it came to a point where I was just like, oh, there's a new action figure coming out. I really want to get that. And I, yeah, you know, it was just and it, and it becomes kind of like not about you know the the thing but i'm all, all like about the collect the chase and right it's, it's a yes. little it's a little unhealthy sometimes <laughs> yeah like, i gotta back up I'll, you know i gotta back off of this a little bit because i'm getting obsessed you know so. <laughs> well, it is a hell of a collection I, i'm just looking around and everything looks amazing yes. <laughs> to be honest with you not, not to try to you know help you along to get some you know i'm gonna look for something that's missing and then maybe that you can go find that <laughs> yeah 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 that's, that'd be a good thing to do um yeah it's i mean it's like uh you know I, it's taken over my basement and you know so yeah it, we'll see what happens within the next couple of years i don't mean the dream is to do like a little you know museum like a little non-profit museum but you know I'm a little busy for that right now. Yeah, someday though. Hey, someday, something to, something to look know, for. Man. Yeah, exactly. If anybody out there is interested in you know managing a Star Wars museum in Pleasure, <laughs> Maryland, <laughs> give me a ring. Uh, Dan Franco, maybe Dan. Go, yeah, go for yeah, it, maybe, man. yeah, maybe Dan Franco will come out. You know, and, uh, you know. exactly. So, so I want to know uh, where did this all start? How did how did you get? To where Star you are with a with a, with a problem. <laughs> let's, go, yeah. let's just go to the beginning. Yeah, when was the first hit? When was the first hit on the net on the, <laughs> on the vein? And, uh, and what gave you that love too? You know, what, like you know, what, man. I mean, I was I was eight years old when Star Wars came out, and um, you know, I remember like I I didn't even see it. I, I it took me like a couple of months to watch it because it was so there was so much you know buzz about him. There was you know anytime we would try to go to the theater. Oh, the whole day sold out. And, you know, and I was eight years old. It's like, you know, you don't have many options. Basically your dad, if your dad doesn't want to drive you, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> so, and my dad did love to go to the movies, but he didn't like standing in line and any of that stuff. So we would end up going to see something else. And uh, so fine. But, but I just love star Wars from like, you know, the commercials, first of all, like it was just the coolest, you know, the trailers were like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And then, just the reaction from my friends. Like it was like, I was almost like ashamed to have not seen it. And I, and it was like this club that I wanted to be a part of, you know? So I loved star Wars even before I saw it. And then when I finally saw it, you know, it was just like, you know, like a dream come true, man. Like it was literally like looking at another world, you know, it was like, I'd never seen a film like that. And I think that it, you know, it wasn't like something where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker now. But I think that, you know, and I think a lot of people my age, like I'm in my early fifties, I think a lot of filmmakers my age, um, you know, were inspired by Star Wars. Like I think that, that a lot of filmmakers are filmmakers because of Star Wars, because there had never been anything that like, you know, like widened your, your, like the, the possibilities of what a movie could be. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the summer before Jaws had happened and I, I, yeah. I had seen Jaws though. I don't know why my dad was taking me to Jaws at like, <laughs> but he, he, he took me to a bunch of very inappropriate movies, but, um, <laughs> Tax, taxi uh, driver. So, yeah. No, no, no not, not that bad, but <laughs> okay. there's, some, there's some bad stuff. Cause my, my dad is Cuban, you know, we were, you know, I'm Cuban too, but so he didn't speak English. So basically if there was ever a movie playing in the theater that had like Spanish subtitles, he would go 
he would go take me to see it. And it, so it could be anything, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw some movies that I'm like, what the hell am I seeing here? You know? <laughs> anyway, that's a different, that's a different podcast. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but once I saw it, it kind of like made me like believe in this magic. Like it really was like, like to me, like watching star Wars was a little bit like, um, like when Harry Potter discovers that he's like a, you know, that there's that there's this world that he belongs to, like this magic yeah. world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not that I was an orphan, and you know I lived under the stairs. Like I had, you know, my parents were good to me. I had a good life. But all of a sudden, Star Wars gave me like, you know, a club to be, like something to be a part of, like like part of my like geekdom. I guess you can call it geekdom now or whatever. But it was like I was part of this club now. And all my friends were in it, and you know, and it and it then and it really sparked my interest in how they did it. So I would, you know, I would I would get Starlog magazine and Fangoria. I started getting Fangoria, and then um, there was uh, you know anything that had any kind of article about Star Wars or how they made it or interviews with the actors or whatever. I would you know try to find it, and then um, and then I started getting interested in you know movie books and this and you know and this and you know i was a little kid so it was very limited and also i was growing up like i grew up here in maryland so yeah you know it's not a film mecca like i didn't know any filmmakers i didn't i didn't even know anybody who worked in television you know other than like maybe the, the you know the newscasters you know right um so uh you know it was a, it was kind of i was as far away from the film business as possible but at least it gave me this interest and um you know just kind of gave me this this fever to like know anything about how they make movies you know well it's kind of like our our hero luke in a new hope i mean it's uh you know when he's looking out at the you know that probably my favorite movie scene of all time with it or movie shot at least of him just looking out at the sun looking to see you know what else is out there and then you know yeah yeah he finds that you know yeah yeah yeah, just the yearning of like you know being stuck in a place And, and as a kid you know i mean obviously you know at least when i was a kid I was, you know, there's always this thing of like, when am I going to be an adult? God damn it. <laughs> when am I going to be an adult? You know? And you're like, shit, you know, I still, it's, so I think that like, I that, want a room full of toys. Yeah. When can I justify a room full of you know, toys for, you know, 52 year old man. Um, so it was like, so for me, it was like this, it was very analogous to like, you know, childhood, like, being stuck as a kid, but seeing like, oh, there's the future. There's my, you know, the, the, the promise, but still being stuck, you know, living with your parents and, you know, for Luke living with his, you know, on an uncle and working right. on a moisture farm, you know, which can't be too much fun. No, we're no, still not no. really even sure what moisture farming exactly is. It's just, it's just basically uh, farming water, man. <laughs> they do that. Yeah, it's literally I, I, like I. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I've read a lot of the you know, the, the, the the books and stuff. And there's a there's a book called Obi Wan, I think, which is about you know Obi Wan and you know his adventures and on Tatooine, and explains a lot about water, about the vaporizers, and you know the systems and all that stuff. Probably too much. So, but we'll probably see that in. Uh, hopefully, we will get a lot of vaporizer kind of stuff in. Uh, in, yeah. uh, in the Obi-Wan TV show, you know what I'm saying? I know, man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How excited are you for that? Because, yeah, I mean, that's going to be, uh, I mean, if it's anything like The Mandalorian, I mean, it's going to be yeah. amazing. But uh, yeah. maybe maybe they'll we'll have a, a canon explanation on the, the science behind moisture Yeah, they're pulling and... it from the air. That What are they doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they pull. Yeah, they they uh, pull it from the air. That's exactly <laughs> okay. what they do, man. There you it's, go. Uh, um, 
Yeah, but dude, I mean, for me, like the Star Wars TV shows is like, I mean, obviously I'm a huge fan of them. Like Mandalorian, I think, you know, like my my wife who doesn't really like, even, she doesn't even like Marvel movies. Like she doesn't really, she watches the Star Wars movies, but doesn't like say, hey, let's watch it again or whatever. She was, she loved Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, the other shows are also, you know, equally compelling. But my, for my thing professionally, my whole thing is like, I just want to get in there and direct a few episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be to me like, oh man, yeah. True. And I know, you know, I know I'm friends with Robert Rodriguez who, you know, did Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. And um, so, you know, he did, he did an episode I'm, I'm, too. I'm, right? I'm this close, I feel. Well, yeah. I think, I think that's if it's going to go to anybody, and this is the problem with not to go into a Star Trek thing, but this has been the problem with Star Trek over the last couple of years. And some people might say the same thing with, with Star Wars is if you're going to give hand over a property like that to somebody to direct that it needs to be needs to be handled by someone who loves that that product and loves that IP. Uh, if you give it to anybody else, even if their competence aside, it, it, it's not going to work yeah. as well as someone who has that same love and care for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I love JJ, but, but I think that when I think didn't he in an interview, he said that he wasn't really a fan of the original Star Trek. Why are you giving it to him? I'm like, why, why would you tell us that? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I understand if maybe like none of the none of the stuff that came after the series worked. You know what I mean? Like everything was a flop and they were like, we need to try something completely different. But like the movies worked, and, you know, there's plenty of good TV shows, Star Trek TV shows. Uh, yeah, that was a weird thing, man. Uh, like, like I agree with you. Like, I think that you need to, you know, you need to kind of, especially something like that, something so big, like star Trek or star Wars, like you need to find people that have it like in their blood. I feel. Right. And that's what, you know, it's, it's obvious from Favreau that he loves star Wars. Yeah. And, and even, yeah. And, and, and Dave Filoni as well. Like you right. can oh, tell yeah. that those guys are like major star Wars geeks and also Robert, right? Like I texted Robert Rodriguez when, he was on on uh, Boba Fett, and he's like, "Dude, I'm like, dude, I'm you must be having some fun." He's like, "It's like it's like, it's like being a little kid with you know the Star Wars toys, but they're all full scale." You know? <laughs> so I was like, "You bastard, man! You got to get me on that." So well, you know, so hopefully, man, the next few years, especially if they keep you know all these shows are successful and they you know they have a bunch of them, I hope, fingers crossed, that I can get in there, get my foot in there. You know, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yes. yeah it'd be so great. And then you can invite us to the set. Yeah, um, yeah, man, yeah, yeah absolutely, man. I was trying to get invited to the Boba Fett set, like kind of laying down hints. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A. during the same time. And, you know, but it didn't work. <laughs> Not so much. Maybe next time. <laughs> I, I, I'm at the door. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm, 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 I'm outside. Uh, what's going on? Can I get in? In the neighborhood, literally. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this can just be Star Wars talk. It doesn't even have to be a new hope. But what, what, uh, someone's actually seeing it when it came out. Uh, when did it become a new hope to you, or do you still just call it Star Wars? I mean, I guess you know when Empire Strikes Back came out, they kind of you know and then we they um, I'm not, I guess the the New Hope came out. The, they put New Hope like right before they re released it before Empire, right? I think what they you know it was pretty early. It wasn't they didn't wait to the special editions? Oh, okay. For some reason, I, I thought it was I later think, than I that. Think it, yeah. I think New Hope because I think that. You know, he got to a point where it was like, well, we want it to be Star Wars, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I mean, I mean, the original was called Star Wars. I mean, I remember it was Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi, you know. Um, and then 
so for me, it was always Star Wars. And for me, it's, you know, like I say a new hope, whatever, if I'm talking to my kids or, you know, people who came like, you know, prequels and afterwards, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but anybody, you know, my age or people who know, you know, who live the original, it's Star Wars, you know, it was just, uh, you know, right. some, some people like get mad, you know, I'm like, <laughs> well, a new hope. He's like, you mean Star Wars? I, uh, I, I've always, I, fascinated by the story of how the opening crawl uh, came about. Um, I didn't know this until about a year or two ago. It was actually not the, you know, the style of the crawl, but it was basically came from Brian De Palma. I guess Lucas had showed like him and Scorsese and, you know, Coppola, you know, all the directors back then, a cut of it. And De Palma was like, I I don't know what's going on. You need something (laughs) to like explain what's, what's happening. And, uh, it's just interesting to me that, yeah, the De Palma had kind of a a hand in that. it It was always cool because like, you know, um, you know, you the opening crawl was like that's what they used to do in like the serialized movies in the shows. You know, in the in the, in the movies back in the day, you know, they had this the serial like Flash Gordon and all that stuff. They would right. you know, you look at they had this. So it was crazy that like he had he didn't you know that that stuff inspired him, but he didn't think hey maybe we should do an opening crawl until he you know another filmmaker friend of his said hey we you know you needed some information here, um, and you couldn't imagine it without it like you you would be so lost <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, you'd be like what the hell is going on here you know? <laughs> yeah because yeah you're thinking yeah because it starts yeah they're like this uh guy in black comes in the ship asking for plans to yeah, something I mean, like yeah, what what to, yeah no no i mean it would be like it, it totally made it and also like you know I I just uh i mean i, I knew about this but i was reading again recently about like how you know, like George Lucas had to quit the DGA in order to like have to not have his name at the you know in the in the head credits, like to have just Star Wars and its star. Like you couldn't do that back in back then. Mm. You had to like have you gotta have all the credits, man. Oh wow. So I didn't know he, that. Wow. Yeah. So just the idea of like doing just that was like, you know, just not allowed. And um, you know, and they say he quit the DGA. I'm not sure how, you know, accurate that is, but he had a big, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a big uh, kind of fight with them because he wanted the beginning to be, you know, just like a, not like a normal movie, which was, you know, that's what, that's what was cool about star Wars, man. I was like, never seen anything like it. Yeah. It just, it just opens like that. Yeah. Just boom. Starts with that John just Williams. Boom, and then, score. And, yeah. And then, and then, you know, you, you, you tilt down and then you, the star destroyer, you know, that the, the rubber blockade runner yeah. goes and then the star destroyer. Like I remember watching that in the theater and going, you know, it just it just looks so huge, like it just went on forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And um, and you had never seen anything like that, man. Like the only thing that had kind of come close, which I didn't see till later, was like two thousand one, a Space Odyssey, like had some pretty right. great effects for the late sixties, you know. And obviously, there's you know some people involved in that that worked on Star Wars, but Star Wars was like, you know, just everything, man. Like you know, science fiction you know, as a kid was like, everything was all pristine and white and, you know, and Star Trek was like, I wasn't really a big fan of Star Trek. You know, when I was little, I used to, I got into it in, you know, in, in, in high school. Cause you know, it's not really a kid's, a little kid's show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, even Star Trek is all, you know, it's all clean. The ship is like modern or, you know, supposedly modern and there's no right. trash. You know, Star Wars was like, no, man, everything's used and <laughs> probably homeless people everywhere. And it looks like, you know, it just looks like a real lived in society. And I think that was like such a genius move. Like it like clicked, you know, like it made it real, even though it's, yeah. even though you're looking at like outrageously, you know, ridiculous things. Just yeah, the Han, aesthetic makes it work, you know? Right. Han Solo doesn't have this, you know, beautiful ship because he's the cool guy. He has this, like, Hunk piece of junk. Of junk. Yeah, oh, yeah, junk. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's falling <laughs> apart, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and everything, you know, and, the, you know, like, just the, the, you know, the stormtroopers having, you know, dirty armor and yeah. scuffs and, like, you know, that's, like, you never saw that, you know what I'm saying? It was always very, you know, everything was pristine. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I think, think I loved Rogue. And, and then obviously the special effects were like, oh, yeah. how the hell was this done? And then the music, like that was, you know, I mean, I know I, I was familiar because I was a big uh, soundtrack geek um, pretty early yeah. on. I think right after Star Wars, like I kind of got into John Williams and then I got into, you know, Jerry Goldsmith and John Barry and, you know, all the, you know, all the famous composers of the time. And um and I, you know, by basically all I listened to was were soundtracks as a kid, you know? Yeah. I was, I was a really weird kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I got, uh, what, I don't know, yeah, I, I just got the Tron soundtrack, the LP, uh, Wendy Carlos, man. I'm, I'm loving it. Have you got, you guys got it yet? <laughs> you want to rock uh, out to that, yeah. bro? Yeah, it was that, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, John Williams, like you look back and you listen to that score and like, like I, I, uh, we went a couple of years ago to one of those lot, like, you know how they play the music live and they play the, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Went to see like a new hope with um, John, you know, John Williams wasn't conducting, but actually Anthony Daniels introduced it and stuff. It was really cool. Um, but, you know, just listening to the music live, you like realize like how, what a freaking, you know, like that, that move that music made the movie you know like like i think spielberg and lucas owe like so much of their careers of like the the you know of what they did in their careers to john williams because because, you know obviously they're talented filmmakers spielberg is you know Mm -hmm. one of the best ever but you know you take the you take the music that john williams music out of jaws or whatever and and it's i mean it still works but you could imagine like it, it you know it just didn't click and the same thing with star wars man from the very first you know, dun, dun, you know, like that freaking, you know, you're, and you're like on this ride and just never had seen anything like that, man. It was just, yeah. it was, and never heard anything like that, you know? So it was I, just like, just so many crazy innovations, you know? Yeah. I mean, in Star Wars, obviously inspired so much more and like was ahead of its time and, you know, inspired other movies. That's why I said, I think in the ET episode we did was, uh, I think uh, John Williams might be the most important artist in cinematic history. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just because again, no, I- it, it, it would have worked. Yeah. With star Wars, but without his style of score with that, like, yeah, because it just... like, yeah, because like you look, you know, like I, um, you know, like I'm a big sound. I have like 2,500 soundtrack CDs. Like I'm a big soundtrack geek also. And obviously yeah. I have all, I have pretty much all of John Williams stuff and Jerry Goldsmith, Ennio Marconi, like, you know, all the classics cut, you know, and um, you know, and, and really Jerry Goldsmith and probably John Barry at that air in that area were like the big, you know, composers, John Williams was coming up. I think jaws kind of really blew him up, you know? 
Um, but I, you know, I compare like the stuff that John Barry or, you know, John, Jerry Goldsmith was doing, you know, it's like Jerry Goldsmith did the soundtrack the, to, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture, John Barry did the black hole, you know, like to me, it's like, I love those composers, but I don't, but I don't know if they would have been able to, 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 you know, I don't think they would have been able to create the magic that, you know, that John Williams was able to create, you know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. it was very much, the music was very much a gateway to all those movies you know um and i Absolutely. think you're right i think john williams to me you know it's like because i have you know you, you, you know i have it on random and sometimes a song comes up and you're like holy shit i didn't even know <laughs> some other john some obscure john williams movie and you can kind of you can hear like the influence and you're like man it's just, there's just magic there you know what i mean and I, so i so yeah. i think you're right i think there's some you know as far as like you know uh, you know, the far reaching effects of his style. I don't think there's anybody been more influential. I think you're yeah. right. So I have to ask because, because Blair Witch does not have any <laughs> a John Williams type score to say, oh my God. they're out in the woods, obviously. But yeah. as a guy who loves soundtracks and all that, uh, how have you maybe tried to, you know, obviously that as that kind of a movie? I mean, what do you? When the, when the stuff you try to create, you try to implement that, and, and well, your- I mean, the, the the problem with my films is that they're mostly small films, you know. Um, like I've never done anything over five million dollars, so they they're you know, and I've always and I've always been in this, and obviously five million is a you know, I mean, I'm you know, very happy that I've got even that, you know, honestly, um, but um, the the. A John Williams score and really in any of my films would kind of overpower the movie. You know what I mean? Like for John Williams, or at least, you know, his big scores. I mean, I know he's done like a lot of versatile stuff. And I think that, I mean, even, I, I mean, look, if, if John, if I were, you know, John Williams ever, you know, had the, you know, the, we've gotten to a situation where, I, where he could score a smaller film. I think he would figure it out. Like he wouldn't. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's, you know, He's just that kind of, he's a genius. You know what I'm saying? He would come up, like he always reinvents himself when he needs to, you know what I mean? So I think that he would reinvent himself, but if a classic John Williams score just wouldn't work. It doesn't work. work. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. And like, I, I did a movie called Exist, which was like a Bigfoot movie. And I remember the editor um, put in like a bunch of like really kind of, not only John Williams, but like big movie. And, and I was like, no, dude, you're completely <laughs> overpowering the images. Like you're you the the music is so big. So um, all my movies, like up to at this this point, have always had like a weird kind of um, you know, like the end of Blair Witch, the the music at the end of during the credit, yeah. like just very, like not really a lot of melody, like very kind of almost noisy, you know. Yeah. Um, and oh, uh, you know, I had I had uh, the group Tortoise do the soundtrack to Lovely Molly, which was awesome. And but it's always this kind of off, you know. Like I, I love, especially for horror movies, I love kind of, you know, um, making people uncomfortable. And John Williams, even though he does it in a, his own way, I you know, for me, it's like there's a there's a different kind of discomfort that I want. Like I want kind of like almost like a sonic discomfort sometimes. And I you know, and John Williams is not that kind of you know composer. But I would. I'm dying to do a movie like a bigger movie or an action movie that has like a, you know, like a regular score. Cause I've never done it before. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, I, I would just love to be able to sit in and, you know, watch, you know, one, my, one of my movies be scored. I think, you know, that would be a, a crazy, crazy. Yeah. Experience, you know, Cause I mean, 
obviously it you know sets the tone for scenes sets tones for movies and um you know i i think people forget like a new hope didn't even it did not have the uh imperial march the darth vader theme like it, it, yeah. it didn't have that i didn't come out till empire strikes back yeah. and it just but like even in that like it's just so like it's just like but, okay. but again but again yeah like like and that's the magic of star wars i think like you know i mean obviously it was a crazy um, you know, phenomena in its own right. But like if Empire Strikes Back had sucked, like <laughs> like a lot of sequels, you know, there wasn't many sequels back in those days, you know? Right. If Empire Strikes Back sucked, that would have definitely tarnished. But the fact that Empire Strikes Back was better. Yeah. Um, and you know, Return of the Jedi, you know, you could have you could argue, you know, both ways, whatever. Um, but Empire was like, you know, three years later, and it was like you know, and again, listening to the Imperial March for the first time was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like something. It was almost like John Williams is a lot like the Beatles, I think. Like the Beatles, I think, somehow magically tapped into like these melodies of old, like from our ancestry or something. Like there's something familiar about like yesterday or like, yeah, you know, uh, loosening the sky with diamonds. There's something familiar about those melodies for some reason. You know, like they have a secret code, right? Yeah, like I have a secret code. And I think John Williams is the same way. Like somehow he <laughs> tapped into this imperial march, and even though you've never heard it before, you're like, dance. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know it. You're like, oh, this is a hit. This is Darth Vader, and you know. So it was yeah. just like you know, there's and you know, and just all the theme, you know, the Yoda theme, and you know. Um, uh-huh. The stuff with Leia and Han, and you know, just you know, it's just any, and 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 it's the only thing, like you know, regardless of how you feel about, you know, the 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 rest of the Star Wars movies, you know, John Williams is the only thing that's been like, it's been on point, yeah, the, every, every single time, the most consistent thing, most consistent like, quality yeah. wise, like you know, if there was a good movie to be pulled out of that those prequels or you know so, whatever. Yeah. John Williams was part of the reason that you know any of that stuff worked. You know, this what I mean? is what I want to know. I want to, I want to know your thoughts on all those other movies. Those uh, the prequels, the prequels, the sequels, and the new ones. I mean, you know, like I, I mean, I love Star Wars. Like yeah. I love, as you can tell. I think I don't know if you if you can tell by <laughs> just um, a little bit. Um, a little so bit. I, I love like the design of it. Like I think it's like the most talented not only like filmmakers, but production designers and, you know, uh, visual artists, special effects. Like it's the top, it's the top and even toy makers, like it's the top of the, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's the most advanced, the best people making these movies and, you know, coming up with the, the, you know, the, the makeup and special effects and, you know, animatronic stuff, all that stuff. So for me, even though I don't like, you know, I, I dislike certain parts of the movies and some of the movies infuriate me. Um, <laughs> I still love them. Like I, I just watched, you know, Attack of the Clones the other day, which I think is probably the worst movie in all of the nine, you know, yeah. movies in the Skywalker saga. There. But still, I mean, that battle at the end, it's still like those ships, and just nobody, nobody does it like George. You know what I mean? Like he, he is a great world builder. Um, so you know, the prequels, I think, are. I, I love the fact that he was trying something new because he really was like that, that had, 
very little to do with the first three movies, you know, <laughs> with, the, with the movies that came after. Like, yeah. it was like a completely new series. You know what I mean? Like the look of it, like the fact that, you know, he was able to go back to Coruscant. And it was right. It, it was, how is this the same world that Luke Skywalker lived in? Right. Exactly. And why, and why do the X-Men <laughs> fighters look like they're, you know, 50 from 100 years ago and, and they're actually in the future? Anyway, right. we can, you know, we can nitpick on that, too. But um, but I'd love to. To me, I love the fact that he was doing trying something new, and I think I didn't appreciate that as as you know until I saw the new movies, which I love the new movies. You know, I I I, I think the characters are cool. Obviously, I loved you know all the stuff about it, but I thought that like it was kind of lazy for them to Force Awakens was like, why do a remake? You know, why yeah. steal so many of the beats from the original movies? Like. You know, in, 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 you know, I understand like in certain, you know, reboots of franchises, you're like, okay, <clears throat> nobody under 15 or 18 has seen any of these movies. So we have to introduce it. We have to kind of introduce the original kind of, you know, the story or whatever. We got to catch people up. I mean, no, everybody's seen Star Wars, man. I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the best, you know, the most seen movie on video probably ever, like that series. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that the kids coming to see Force Awakens had never seen, you know, uh, the, the original trilogy, you know what I mean? Like 99% of the people that watched that movie had seen every single star Wars thing before that. Of course. You know, so for me, it's like, you could have gone, you could have started somewhere completely fresh and taken a whole new approach to it and still have the same characters. Like I love the characters. Like I love Ray and, you know, uh, Finn and Poe. Like, I think, you know, I mean, some of the best actors, you know, around, like just interesting to see, but they completely, underutilize the original cast um well, you know, han solo is the deadbeat loser now <laughs> yeah han solo is just a loser and he's like <laughs> him and leia haven't figured it and and, and the, the problem man is that you know after return of the jedi we get like these three or four minutes of like the empire is gone look they're dancing you know the, the new <laughs> versions they're dancing on coruscant and they're dancing on you know cloud city and there's a you know like a, a galaxy-wide celebration as like the emperor is dead you know what i mean like holy mm-hmm. shit and then force awakens starts and the fucking empire is back <laughs> it's like, all for nothing right it's worse it's like, than ever yeah. like holy crap Wait, we went through this trilogy and you didn't give us like a little bit of a no. oh my god there's a time of peace but things are starting to unravel you know what i mean like yeah, because technically you you didn't have to see the prequels to watch you know the no, sequels. Man, you so like see, you, you if you watched yeah. Jedi and then it goes into Force Awakens, you'd be like, wait, what? What the yeah, hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going All on? All that sacrifice yeah. just was for and, nothing. And and when I when I saw like you know um, you know Poe put like like the that chip or whatever in art in uh, BB-8, I was like, come on. So now the droid has the secret plans or secret whatever location of Luke's hideout or whatever. And I mean, you're really going to go like that close to me that it lost me at that point. And I still like the movie, you know, like I think JJ uh, J. Abrams is super talented. I've loved most of his stuff, you know, or at, le- at least, you know, even if I don't like some of his stuff, there's always good stuff in there. And, and again, this, you know, there's so much great stuff in force awakens, but I just felt like, did you know and i don't know i I, i'm not you know can't i don't know who to blame really i mean i think disney (laughs) has a lot of the the blame lucasfilm whatever kathleen kennedy like they always blame her i have no idea but just the idea of like treating the audience with like 
that much disrespect as far as like, oh, these people have seen nothing. So they have to start. We have to start from the very beginning. And it was just like, no, man, you don't have to. And that's why Mandalorian works so well. And people, yeah. why Mandalorian, everybody loves Mandalorian. Like there's very few people that don't like Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It's because it didn't have the baggage of the Skywalker saga. And also, and they, they just kind of wanted to do something new. So for me, it was like, I thought that like, you know, it was just a missed opportunity of like not starting with Han Solo and Leia and like see a little, just a little bit of what's going on. Like, give me some happiness. Like, give me like, oh my God, they're going to see, you know, their grandchild is being born or something. And then you're like, oh shit, something, uh, there's an attack and oh shit, there's this, there's this, the, you know, the resi- this, there's, um, what the hell's the empire in, uh, the, res- the resistance, I don't yeah. even, the <laughs> other, uh, <laughs> the first, first order, order, the first order, oh God, yeah. the first nobody order even knows. <laughs> and, and also like the whole thing of like, you know, the tie fighters were just a tie fighter with a different color band and then a little, a little, you know, <laughs> laser on and the X. We got to recognize it. We're just redesigned. Like, come on, man. I know. It's, it's, you know, it's 30 years later or whatever it is. Like, you know, the, the ship designs have changed. Like, come on, man. You know, like, don't don't think that people are so stupid that they're not going to like the movie because you don't have X-Wings or or a Death and the Death Star thing again. Like, again, you're going to do the Death Star? I, I got to say, that's a fantastic point uh, about Han and Leia and Luke because, you know, you bring them back into the movie because clearly for the old fans, but you don't even give the old fans what, what they want, which is to see them together. So at that point, why even have them in the movie? In the movie and, and they're and they're miserable. Right. Like you've caught, you know, and and you know, Last Jedi, you know, Luke is basically an alcoholic, or you know, like uh, you know, <laughs> drinking the blue milk, and like he's you know, he's crazy old man on an island. Like really, uh, that's not what I want to see, man. And, yeah. and also in Last Jedi, like when they. um when they showed the X-Wing underwater, I was sure that I knew the end of the movie. Like, I was like, oh, my God, some f- messed up thing's going to happen. And the end of this movie is going to be Luke raising that <laughs> X-Wing fighter. And you're like, oh, my God, uh, R- Luke is going to. And the ne- the next movie starts with Luke completely kicking ass. And, you know, you can kill him there if you want. But let me see Luke really kick ass. Not a holographic yeah. projection of him. Yeah. Let me see Luke really kick, uh, you know, a battalion of stormtroopers' asses and like. Right. Let me see what I I've been paying. You know, I've been waiting for 40, 50 years almost to see Luke Skywalker kick ass. Let me see that. Even <laughs> the, the, even saying like you so, you even you know they they. George gave us Yoda kicking ass. <laughs> right. You know I mean? Yeah. Like well, the sequels don't uh bother me until I start thinking of what could have been, like what yeah. you're saying. Like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. man, like when you say it how like the end could have been him lifting the the X wing I mean, yeah, up. I, mean, I was I mean, like, like oh, to me, like, yes. <laughs> like, like like to me, like the end of of um you know, and I like Last Jedi. Like I don't you know, I yeah, I, you know, it was a good movie and Ryan Johnson's a really talented filmmaker. Um, but like the end of, of last Jedi, I'm like, what do I, they're, they're basically, there's the rebellion. Nobody came to help Leia. Like they're just, what the hell, what do I got to look forward to in, 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 in the next movie? Like they're just, you know, it's like, they're just, they've gone from bad to worse. And to me, it's like, you could have done that. You could have been like, oh my God, Leia. And you know, the, they're the, the last bits of the resistance are about to get slaughtered. And then, but have Luke come in, like really Luke, like have a, have a real 
scene between real Luke and real Leia. Like, can you at least give right. me that? Well, the best we can get is a CGI version in Mandalorian. That's the best we can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, man. And, you know, so so to me, it was just like, you know, I don't know. It was a little lazy and a little like not didn't satisfy the itch you know my my bit my, my biggest issue i think with the sequels is just uh, production wise how they didn't have a plan to begin with for the trilogy I, like they I, just kind of went know. like all right you're a director you can come in and do your I thing know. you're I the know. next director do, I mean, do what you want i don't i don't understand that at all and, <laughs> and, and look i mean like to me i know that like rise of skywalker i think everybody a lot of people hate it but i really loved rise of skywalker just because JJ got a complete shit sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. not not that Last Jedi was a shit movie, but like, where the like again? Where do you go f- from Last Jedi? You've killed Luke. You've killed Leia. You've you know, like you're about to kill Leia. You're like, there's there's like, you know, like like where the hell do you go from there? Han is gone, and you know, it, it, there's like. To me, it was like, what are the, you know, what, what do Plus, we have? I mean, we and then he had the uncontrollable circumstance of, you know, Carrie Fisher passing. So, like, exactly. Even, and and like, that's you, the thing is, like, to me, yeah. like, what is he, you know, the shit that was part of the shit sandwich, the main right. part of the shit sandwich, because, you know, the third one was supposed to be about Leia, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, and the idea that, like, he actually came up with something that actually was kind of cool and like yeah. the, Le- the Leia thing is kind of satisfying like you know it's not the best thing in the world but and the fact that you know the end is you know like I you kind of end up liking Kylo Ren and Ray. I mean I, you know and the, and the Emperor kind of it makes sense that he was he's still the bad guy you know what I mean after all this time um, how much how much do you think the uh, prequels would have been, been enhanced if uh, an actor uh, like Adam Driver, let's say Adam Driver was that age when the prequels came out. Adam Driver played Anakin. I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think the, the, the you know that, that's a that's a good question, man. Like, because I mean, because that's, why, that's why I asked. Yeah, because Hayden <laughs> Christensen. I mean, you know, the same thing with Natalie Portman. I mean, they're good actors. Like, you know, Natalie Portman's an Oscar winner. Right. Somehow George just sucked the life out of them especially in attack of the clones um so i'm not sure if if an adam driver would have helped you know yeah um i think i mean look i love george lucas and i you know the reason part of the reason i'm talking to you here and i did blair witch was because george lucas got me into filmmaking you know Mm -hmm. and and i think that the prequels are you know even though they're not perfect movies, there are a lot of, a lot of great ideas and there is so much great artistry in there. And, um, but I think that, you know, George hadn't directed anything in like 30 years or whatever. Right. Saying. And I think that like me personally, like, like I've gotten, I've, you know, ever since I started directing television, I've gotten, I'm such a much better director now. Like I'm just faster. I can find scenes. I can work with actors faster. I know what I want, you know, because you, you know, you're exercising that muscle. So I couldn't imagine having not worked on anything for like, you know, whatever it was 30 years. And then you're directing like a $250 million movie all of a sudden. And you're writing it like, this is madness. And obviously, you know, he, he could do it because it was his, you know, it was his property, his companies and, and 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 I, I I respect that you know you know and to me like I, I'll support that decision. But if it was me, I would have directed a, a maybe a smaller film, a couple of smaller films. Like I would have just gotten yeah. my my feet wet a little bit, and then said, okay, now I'm going to go and direct 
because there's a certain stiffness in the prequels and by the by revenge by revenge of the sith a little bit of that thing has war it's a little right like revenge of the sith flows better because yeah, it's, it's his it's his third film he's just he's working out the he, kinks he's working out the kinks man he's becoming a better director you know and i just That's think that like point. it was it was just a mistake and i think he should have brought in like other writers from the start well i mean that's what he did you know in the original trilogy i mean a new hope he directed the other two he didn't so i mean that we've asked this before but was a new hope a fluke for george lucas no 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 okay because i mean you know american graffiti is a fun well acted you know well paced like it's one of my favorite movies from the 70s you know um so I think, you know, he hasn't directed that many movies, but, you know, I don't think, I think he's got the skills. It's just, um, you know, uh, you know, he wanted to make the prequels and he did them. And I respect that, you know, it's like, it's his, it was his stuff, you know? Um, but again, you know, I think they would have been, the, again, like you were saying, like the, what if. Right. Yeah. Like, like exactly. again, like uh, somebody brought up the other day, like, what if like Lucas had actually been making, you know, like maybe taking a break and started like a new trilogy, like in the nineties when, you know, Harrison Ford was still relatively young and Carrie Fisher was still young and Luke and, you know, everybody was still, you know, in their prime Um, instead of waiting until, you know, they're all, you know, Carrie Fisher, like literally died during production of the last last, you know couple of movies. Um, And now let's make a fifth Indiana Jones. Yeah. And again, again, like, you know, you you look at, you look at Harrison Ford and some of those like questionable Harrison Ford roles, like from the nineties. And you're like, God, if he would, they would have just made another uh, freaking, you know, just every five or six years, if they would have done an Indiana Jones movie, except waiting until he's like in his freaking eighties. And he still looks great. It does, actually, right. you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even though everybody hates it, like for me as an Indiana Jones movie, it still worked. You know, like even him as, as an older dude, I'm like, you know, it still works. You know what I'm saying? Not, not it doesn't work as well as Raiders or, you know, Temple of Doom, but um, it still works. So, right. Yeah. It was just kind of lost opportunities. But, you know, what are you going to do? I have to yeah. ask. Uh, well, first of all, real quick is I find the prequels more rewatchable than the sequels. I do not go back to the sequel movies. I just don't. But I, I wouldn't mind just throwing on Phantom Menace and like that. Leave that aside. But I want to know your thoughts, Ed, on Rogue One. I loved it. I think it's like definitely the best, you know, post, you know, original trilogy and prequel trilogy. I definitely think it's better than any of the of the sequels. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the reason it's better is that it doesn't have as much baggage as the Skywalker saga movies. You know what I mean? Right. And the same thing with, with, with what's one of the reasons I think why solo didn't work. I mean, first of all, they released it too soon after last yeah. Jedi when Bad last Jedi had not really energized <laughs> the base much, you know what I mean? So they released it like six months after last Jedi. And, you know, they, they're surprised that it didn't do any money, any business. But to me, the main flaw in, in solo was that you're asking us to like replace Harrison Ford, who's like <laughs> one of the most beloved yeah. actors of any yeah. era, especially of our era of, you know, yeah. I grew up, I mean, he's my favorite actor for sure of, you Amazing. know, as far as like, you know, Blade Runner. And I mean, even his flops, I like, you know what I mean? Like I, he's just, he's an interesting actor who's like, made the best of, 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 of the talents he has, you know what I mean? And, um, but I think that, um, 
Wait, what were we talking about? I completely lost my train of thought. But you're asking me to like believe that this guy who was really, you know, who was a good actor is Harrison Ford. And it's that it, just too much baggage. You're asking me to to, you know, to, it's just too much. You know yeah, I mean? and I tr- I tried to put that aside and just all right, it's yes. the character Han Solo, but it's yeah. just like it. it and then work. and then another and then another thing with Solo, like why is this such a dark movie? Like, yeah, I mean, Solo should have been like. I mean, I understand that Rogue One was a dark. You know, it's a very adult movie. It's the most adult Star Wars movie. I mean, like everybody dies at the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like the most. You know, there's no sequel to Rogue One. You know. Yeah. So for me, like. You know, Solo should have been more like, all right, let's put in a little bit of the original color palette back and like not light it like it's freaking, you know, like a freaking horror movie. Like, like <laughs> yeah. the first, like the first half hour of Solo, you're like, you can barely see what's going on. Yeah, man. there's that like, right. car chase in the beginning. Like, there's no bit. reason for it, you know. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then, um, the problem with Solo also was that I'm a big fan of like the original of the uh one of the book trilogies like Re- the rebel dawn trilogy i don't know if you guys ever read uh you know you're probably not as star wars geeky as i am but there's this trilogy <laughs> there's this trilogy of han solo books and if you read any star wars books i would and you're a star wars fan and you you know want to read any of the stuff books i think these are the books that you want to read there there's three books and it's not the original han solo sequels that came out in the 80s books but the ones that i guess they came out in the 90s or early 2000s but there are three move three books and it literally starts with han solo like as a kid an orphan on on um you know um corelia yeah like, being basically pressed you know by a by a pirate gang like they just grab him off the streets and they put him on a ship and then you're like okay now you're part of the crew kid Oh, and the fact that like he, he you know, this there's, there's a Wookiee there, like a Wookiee woman that befriended him and, you know, and that's how he learned Wookiee and that's how he learned to love, you know, Wookiees. And so basically he was raised by a woman, you know, a female Wookiee, which I thought was, you know, I just love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just be, so and, the- and they, he meets Boba Fett, he meets Lando. Oh. He, and at the end, at the end of the third book, he literally like, you know, Han, uh, Luke and Ben are coming to sit down with him. And, oh, that's great. And Tina, and it ends that's there. That's great. Oh. And it was, and it's a great story. Like, I was like, oh my God, if they can make this in the movies, they, it would be great because it's because, because at that point, you start as a little kid and you're able to like accept, okay, we've never seen her, you know, Harrison Ford as a kid. May, you know, it gives you a little more chance to accept him as Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And then when you switch up to like the, you know, the older, you know, actor, then it, you know, I don't know. I think it would have helped, you know what I'm saying? If you would have kind of given me, but it was just like this, it just wasn't. So so it those, was, it wasn't well, what I wanted, man. You know, so those books wanted, didn't, man. those books didn't uh, do the wonderful choice of having the empire give him his last name. No, uh, so. okay, no. And, and it's like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> like, right. Did, did yeah. you ever wonder where Han Solo got his last name? No. Right. Yeah. Never. Like it would have been way better if he just said, I'm alone, uh, solo. Like yeah, and he just yeah. gave his own last name. Exactly. But it was just, yeah, like, it was just, like, like, like they were kind of filling in, you know, holes that didn't need to be filled in, you know, I, I do appreciate that, you know, speaking of the books real quick, Dave, sorry, Dave, to cut you off, but uh, I, I appreciate the, 
new canon they made when Disney bought it. I do like that they try to, you know, keep it all together. And I've, you know, I've been into all the canon books and all that. And yeah. the speaking of Rogue One, Catalyst is an amazing book, I thought, for yeah. book to read. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Man. Like, yeah, I mean, I think that they did the, you know, like I read, I've read. I mean, there's so many books. I probably read about half of them at this point. Yeah. Um, I was trying to go through all of them, but I got to the point where I, I just couldn't read any more Star Wars books. <laughs> um, it's, and, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, but yeah, if you guys get a chance, read those first, the yeah. solo trilogy. It's just really fun. And, and and they're also like, you know, you notice, I'm, I'm sure you guys notice that they're pulling things from the like unofficial books. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know, Thrawn came from there and they're pulling a lot of like cool ideas. So I thought, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Going into solo, I was like, oh, they're going to pull some of the best stuff from the books, but they didn't pull anything, man. I was really disappointed. Uh, I have want to get back to uh, Rogue One real quick, but what do you, I want to ask, I have to ask you, Ed, is Darth Maul dead or alive? Should he be dead or alive? You mean like as far as like like in the like in the Mandalorian? Did he die in Phantom Menace? According di- to your brain, he died in. Fa- okay, look, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> you know, you got to kind of suspend your little, you know, do a little bit of disbelief. But if they had brought Darth Maul back and it had been like this kind of like like almost like they had brought back like they brought like they did in the sequels with the original characters, like bring Han Solo in, give him very basically and nothing to do, and then uh-huh. kill him at the end. I would have been like, nah, you that's that's a waste of Darth Maul. But they did some cool stuff, man. Like, I mean, did you guys watch Clone Wars? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like he's I love that he was kind of like kind of losing his mind. Yeah, and, I like that. Like I thought that was like, you know, that was cool. It was like this really darkness. Now, you know, the fact that they're continuing to keep him, you know, I, I think it was like one of those I think they realized how what a cool character he was, and then they're like, Oh my god, we we killed him. <laughs> we, killed we, we, gotta, him. we gotta bring him back somehow. But you know. It's Star Wars, so yeah, exactly. Always uh, gonna be, you know, things like that. We were like, all right, I guess, like Boba Fett should have died in the Sarlacc pit. That's true. Well, well I, right. I mean, still, he no, you know, he's, they say died. nobody escapes the Sarlacc pit. Well, like, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, Dave. Oh, but Rogue One, I, I did because that's how we started this. I did. I still wanted to get your thoughts on this, so we we veered off into solo. I think it's either the second or third best Star Wars movie made. Um, and yeah. I, I and it made me love a droid in K2SO as much as I love R2D2. I thought the characters were perfect, everything was pitch perfect in that film. And I cannot yeah. believe uh that they didn't maybe obviously everybody died at the end of the movie, but that that wasn't the template going forward for all future Star Wars films. I was abs every time I watched that movie, I am blown away by how good it is. Yeah, no, uh, it's good. And, and again, I think like I think part of it is the fact that it's like you know, it's part of the Skywalker saga, but it's just like a little cousin of the Skywalker saga. And I just think that like, you know, the problem that JJ and, you know, Ryan Johnson and every, and even George Lucas had when he, you know, when after the, the original trilogy is that those, that original trilogy means so much to so many people, you know what I mean? Right. So there was no winning, you know what I mean? Like, if they had done like what we, what I wanted to do, somebody yeah. else would have been mad. And I would have probably been <laughs> mad at something, you know, Oh, you know, you should have done something different. You know what I mean? Like you can't win. That's why like every people ask me sometimes like, you know, would you ever want to direct the star Wars movie? I'm like, not a major star Wars movie. No. Like if they get to a point where they're doing like kind of offshoots, like little, you know, 10 or $20 million, like little side star Wars movies, like direct to, you know, Disney plus or whatever. And again, like like the, the 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 TV shows to me is like perfect, like a perfect yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But 
as part of like the the official canon of Star Wars, like that's a lot of pressure, man. And I don't know. And and also like, I think that the you know with a movie that big, like I'm not sure how much. Like even JJ didn't have autonomy. You know what I mean? And if right, they, and if they didn't give JJ autonomy, they're certainly not going to give me, you know, <laughs> Final Cut or you know, make, let me make all the, you know, major decisions. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think that there's a certain amount of like. Sure, it would be cool to direct a Star Wars movie, but in the end, like if you logically go down the road, I would get eaten up, and you know, it, it wouldn't be a great experience. You know, so but but a TV show, sure. I mean, I could yeah. I could direct a TV a Star Wars TV show tomorrow. You know, I, I'm completely confident in my abilities. You know, well, well we got to make a hashtag or something. Yeah, we got to get some kind of uh, a change a, a, a change.org or whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, some kind um, of petition going or something. No, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I have a lot of connections, you know, through, at Lucasfilm. And again, I know Robert Rodriguez. So hopefully it's just a matter of time. Before, yeah. You know, all right, let's just bring this guy in and see what he can do. You know, so I got to ask what well, if you could develop any Star Wars show, if you were given the reins to say, all right, Ed, go make a Star Wars show. What would it be? I would like. You know, I would kind of follow the Mandalorian um, model, which is like find like a little corner of the world and then and then go crazy there. You know, like I've always thought like a a Star Wars horror movie would be cool, like <laughs> like like a, a group of rebels and like a group of squad of Imperials are like stuck on a planet. And there's like, you know, I mean, you can do any kind of creature you want in the Star Oh, my God. But it's yeah. always, oh they have to kind of come together to help each other and, you know, or something like that, you know, yeah. something far away from the center of the Star Wars world. And any, what would this be rated? <laughs> dude, I mean, obviously, I would love to do a rated R, you know, Star Wars uh, horror movie with like, you know, crazy gore and stuff. Oh, like the ghost of a Sith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like supernatural oh. stuff, man. Like really oh, kind of, you know. Do a predator uh, style, even? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I think the idea of like of like you know uh, the adventure of like a planet that's like inhospitable and there's weird shit, and then also <laughs> there's like monsters and there's they're fighting each other, whatever it is. I think you know it would, it would lay you know some com- cool stuff, and also like the idea that like I would love to take like a squad of stormtroopers and make them the good guys. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh, yeah, like there's like the like the rebels are the rebels there or whatever are just fucking assholes and you know they I don't know whatever it is you know what I'm saying something yes. where like they've been so far and 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 it's just like kind of like Saving Private Ryan man it's just these guys trying to survive you know it this is. you know and it's just normal guys and you get to know, yeah you know you get to like you know um, so you know something like that I think would be cool but uh, that's intrigued that's what's intrigued me about some of the new canon books is yeah just having you know the seeing the side of the empire where it's like these are just regular people who just they wanted to join the academy like luke even yeah. wanted to do in a new yeah, hope yeah, you know yeah. and, they just, up, yeah, and they ended up yeah. in, the, in the empire you know exactly um, and and i do apologize we're at an hour and 20 i, did, oh, I didn't well. mean to uh do this i usually uh, stick around an hour i do apologize uh so no we, problem, man. I, you know, we're talking a you know a, a very a subject that kind of you know that i i could talk about all day so <laughs> It's sacred, you know, it it's sacred. sacred. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and then real quick, what? Uh, so how much do you think did Rogue One enhance A New Hope for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, it's a, it's like seamless 
yeah. uh, from the end of Rogue One to yeah, yeah, the yeah. beginning. No, I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing, man. Is that like when, um, you know, when they do things right, they do things really right, you know, like yeah. And but you know, but they don't do things right, you know, all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> but and you know, and look again, like and. Um, you know, I'm not sure what happened you know, with the production of Rogue One. I think it was just as tumultuous as any of the other movies. But for some reason, just the idea that, like, I think fans like us just gave it more wiggle room because it was like a first of all, a serious movie. There was no like, you know, silliness in that movie. Like it was right. It was hardcore, man. <laughs> yeah. and, I, uh, and, I, and also the idea that, like, you know, it wasn't you didn't have Leia or Luke or Han Solo or I mean, nobody from the original trilogy was in it. You know what I mean? um so i think that helped it's just it's the same thing with you know with mandalorian like to me like even the stuff with boba fett like i think that's unnecessary like i think i think they cater too much to the to the original stuff like right and yeah. sometimes i'm like they didn't need to make that like that connection like that's my whole thing is like I, I think that they underestimate the idea that like like that the star wars universe is so diverse that they feel like they we gotta say do something about <laughs> from a new hope we got to give an yeah. easter egg and it's like yeah. no you don't you don't have right. to put, you know i mean I'll, just the world itself like you know will will give you plenty of opportunities for to see like things that happened before and the timeline or are going to happen afterwards but you don't have to like be so clever and and you know it just becomes like like they're trying to trying to cater to the fans too much you know and it's like no the fans want to see new stuff they don't want to go back and rehash you know what what happened in new hope you know they just want to see something fresh you know what i'm saying 100 percent. what do they call it? fan service yeah it, it doesn't all need to be fan service yeah yeah exactly but, and, and it's cool i mean i love the easter eggs i mean i love seeing yeah. a little bit fat you know i love that but, but again it's but like it's like make it more subtle you know yeah, like, like like just like <laughs> such a like like you know like the whole coincidence thing of like c3po being built by Darth Vader, right? Ending yeah. up with Anakin, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, did it have to be that? Did C three PO really have to be built by Anakin? Like, does that make it more special? Like, it just makes right. it kind of more convoluted. Yeah. So, I think that you know they do that in in Mandalorian sometimes a little bit too much. Like, okay, I didn't, you know, we didn't need to go there and do that, right? And, you know, see that, but you know, it's but it's cool, obviously, yeah. I'll take I mean, it. You know, I'll take that's, it. You know, and then there's and the thing about them is that you know there's enough new stuff that you know it kind of um, you know when they do show stuff, it's like at least they're showing us they're giving us some new storylines and some new characters and new yeah exactly new ships e- and, even know. not the original like they're you know going off of you know bringing in Ahsoka and and all that like yeah you know, like, and, and and to me like I like that stuff you know what I mean but I yeah think that, definitely. You know, like I like I like this and that's what I liked about Rogue One is that it was it's completely separate. I mean it is a prequel to A New Hope, but it's basically a completely separate film. You know, there's Yeah, no they were able to prove that you can make something good within the universe because that's what a lot of people say. Well, it's all just about Luke. Well, not really, because this story showed that it is there is substance within the universe to yeah. tell different kinds of stories. Yeah. Uh, it, it was proven in that way. So Yeah, yeah. Go make but more, I, please. Yeah, and, I, and I also love like the Mandalorian again, you know, like the idea of like life after the Emperor died, you know, like after the death, second Death Star was destroyed. Like that's never, you know, that at least in especially in film or and television for sure, other than the books, that that era has never been seen. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's and like for me, like, again, like we were talking back to Force Awakens, like I want to see what happened after Return exactly. of the Jedi. You know, like I, I've gotten a taste in the books, you know, the Empire's still around and, you know, there's there's this still the struggle, but it's but there's like. I love the books where like Leia and Han got married and they had kids. Like there was like this, oh my God, there's lo- there they have lives. Even like Luke got married. Like I like I like that stuff. Like I right. That's a little yeah, better than being a hermit on an island, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just a little a, bit. Just yeah. a tiny yeah. bit. I think that, yeah. Exactly. But, exactly. Um but uh but yeah, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure talking Star Wars with you. It's uh yeah, again, sorry to keep you so long. No, no, no problem. Uh, I love no, it. You, uh, yeah. So yeah, you're you're uh you're a blast to talk with about this. You're welcome back anytime. Well, hold on. Um in a new hope they blow up the Death Star. <laughs> Oh yeah, and in a new hope, yeah. Oh yeah, we were supposed sure to just talk. We were supposed to break down a new hope in this episode, and but we we broke down Star Wars. <laughs> we broke as down a whole. Star Wars in general, man. It was, <laughs> exactly, it was so much more than the breakdown of one movie, you know? Because you can't. When, that's the whole thing. You can't really talk about a new hope without. Yeah, exactly. It has its tentacles and everything. You know what I mean? So, definitely. No, man. Yeah, definitely. you know, uh, I'll, and I, it's been a blast. I uh, love talking to you guys, and uh, you know, invite me back whenever. Yeah, absolutely. And when uh, when does your episode of American Horror, Horror Stories come out? Do you know? It actually aired like oh, it already uh, aired. It actually, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy because I finished it and like three or four weeks later it aired. Like it was the quickest any episode I've ever done has aired. I think they're done with the season already. Oh wow! Uh, okay, and they're like wrapping it for, on the season, and then it was only like I think eight episodes. I I think. Um, but uh, no, I'm like now I'm just like kind of we're 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 working on a feature right now that that uh, my partner's writing. We're working on TV stuff and I'm just waiting to see where my next I have a I have a job in January in uh, in Vancouver. But my fall right now is open. But there's like a lot of slots that are kind of a lot of people are kind of reaching out. So excellent. Right now I'm just waiting and also just waiting for the feature and, you know, hoping that we get, you know, some traction on our TV show. So, yeah. you know. Well, and we, you know, we, and collecting Star Wars crap. <laughs> yeah, that takes that takes a big a part of your time. time, it's, a time you know? it's, it's a time waster, man. That's yeah. <laughs> well, we cannot wait to see your episode of uh, a Star Wars show. So Dude, uh, we're looking forward. Oh yeah, to that. you know, um, for sure. After I do it, like you know, I'll come back and uh, talk about it. And oh yeah, geek out. We can geek out together. Sounds Can't great. Wait. All right, guys. <laughs> All right, man. It's been a blast. Good luck, man. Appreciate it. Yep, have a good one. Take care. There you have it, folks. We nerded out, like I said, on Star Wars. Everything Star Wars. The good, the bad. It's Star Wars. You know, we love it no matter, you know, no matter what we think of the prequels, what we think of uh, some of the sequels, uh, you know, it's Star Wars and we love it. We love being immersed in that world. And it was so fun uh, talking with Ed about it. Eduardo Sanchez uh, is, is his stage name, I guess you could say. Um but no, Ed, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you folks can follow us on Instagram at Blockbuster Mentality and Twitter at Blockbuster Cast. That's where you get all the updates on the show and when they'll come out and everything like that. Uh, if you go to our website, BlockbusterMentality.com, that also lists the latest episodes. So just, you know, and, and past episodes, we... we you know, try to be a timeless show where you can go back and listen to past episodes. It's not, you know, all movie news or anything.
anything, you can go back and listen to what we thought about Shawshank Redemption or Raging Bowl or, you know, these are all just timeless episodes. So go back and, and take a look at uh, take a look at our, our past uh, episodes. So, but uh, again, so much fun on this episode and I hope you all enjoyed it. But uh, all right, folks, well, that is it for me, for Dave and Ed. I'm Ben and as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies.